Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. When I think of an influential communicator, I think of Samantha McKenna. Now get this, people. Hailing from the mean streets of Geneva, Switzerland, Samantha actually got her first start in sales when she was in the sixth grade at school and they decided to raise money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. She was knocking on doors, giving cold pitches and all of that good stuff. But this was actually her first star in sales. This was her sales education. And after winning a portable TV, becoming in second place, Sam was hooked. Now, besides appearing on Nickelodeon as a game show contestant, Sam's childhood was filled with so many rich, unique, and memorable experiences because she had two entrepreneurial parents who were showing her firsthand how to launch and grow a successful business. But Before Sam actually started her own company, she said, you know what, before I go do that thing, let me go do another thing. And that thing was going in the world of sales, entering the world of sales and breaking a few records at On24, LinkedIn and Vehicle, where she was creating global sales programs, overseeing super successful GTM strategies and putting the mentor in mentorship. But in September 2019, Sam felt like the stars had aligned and she launched Sam Sales Consulting and people, the rest is history. Now, more importantly, Sam's a dog lover. Sam's a secret comedian and Sam is actually focused on helping other women succeed, especially those who are military spouses and from underrepresented backgrounds. And today I pinned her down people to specifically talk about a topic that I'm super passionate about, I know she is super passionate about, and that topic is how to use storytelling when social selling for landing sales and creating raving fans. Welcome to the show, my friend. What's good? Oh my gosh. I think I'm going to go on record and say that was the best introduction I've ever had. And I'm done quite a few podcasts and speaking engagements. Holy moly. What a, what an intro. Thank you. Well, when somebody's hashtag is show me, you know me, I'm like, oh my, I have to really dig deep here and make sure it's memorable. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, my <laughs> friend. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now it's funny. I realized that you recently watched a Top Gun movie. I'm not a Top Gun fan, right? But I feel like you are from your reaction just now. How was it at the IMAX? Was it good? It was so good. I'm going to also go on record and say that I cried at the beginning just from the nostalgia of the music. It's so sad, right? Everyone's like, what's going on with this person? We're about to watch this incredible action movie and she's crying over here. But the music, it really got you into it. So I can't believe you're not a Top Gun fan. I'm going to have to work on you for that. I just, I've never watched the first Top Gun. I can't believe it. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Criminal, right? Criminal. But you hurt my soul. It's a classic. You need you need to do it. What's a classic for you? Tell me a movie that you love that I have to watch. <laughs> They're not classics. Okay. So a movie which I've probably watched over and over again is Limitless with Bradley Cooper, which is classic. I wouldn't call it a classic, but I tell you what I love is, oh my God, Crazy Stupid Love. Have you seen that? It's the best. It is the best. Oh my gosh. One of my all-time favorites. You're in good company here with that one. So good, right? Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell are just so good in it. The look when he unlatches his wallet and there's the Velcro and... Uh, <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> Amazing. I, lo- I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. When, it's funny. When I buy an item of clothing, my, my wife just goes, what are you doing? She goes to me, be better than the gap. You know what he says? Be better than the gap. So I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. It's exactly that. But speaking of movies, I know that you're a Ryan Reynolds fan too, right? So let's take it to Ryan Reynolds. So you spoke about the movie Van Wilder, but I'm a big Just Friends. Like, is it Just Friends? The Christmas really? movie? Oh my. That's, that's your jam with Ryan Reynolds? Love. That's it for you? Love. No. Love. Tell me. Uh, what am I missing? Oh my gosh. No, I think, no, you, wait, did you see Van Wilder? Like we're now, now we're going to get really for your audience. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I remember the impression that Taj did and I did that for about two years because <laughs> I found it so funny, but I don't recall the full movie, but I've seen parts of it. How many times have you seen it? Oh, like a hundred, at least, at least a hundred times. You have to go back and watch it. But I think the the great thing to pull out of that was the sales lesson, right? Which I think for most people, when I told that story, right? Pulling this back to storytelling and the art of that, we're like, how did you make that connection, right? And I feel like my sales brand is always on for that step. I'm looking for, you know, signs that things are going to move forward or they're not. Signs of, you know, how we tie things to relationship building and nurturing and storytelling and movies. I'm like, this is exactly the same thing that happens in every day. Or we talk about that with dating. I think we can make so many parallels to sales and dating all in very appropriate ways, but there's so much to tie to that. And yes, it is again, hands down, one of my favorite movies. The Ryans really are featured in my favorite movies from Gosling to Reynolds to my own husband is named Ryan. So you see a theme here? (laughs) Yeah, I do actually. I see a very big theme there. Well, hey, it works. So don't (laughs) change it, my friend. But let me ask you this. Now that you said that dating and sales there's so many funny analogies what is Mm. the most overused analogy that you use when it comes to talking about dating and sales okay i've got i'm going to give you two like i absolutely detest when people send a cold outbound email it's the very first one that we're getting it's making the pitch and then it closes with here is my calendar for you to schedule time with me and i think about this like let's let us take this to the bar you walk into a bar, you see someone cute, you walk up to them and you say, I'd love to have drinks with you sometime. And they say, that sounds great. I would love to do that too. And then you say, here is my calendar link for you to schedule that date with me. We would never do that. And somehow it is appropriate in sales. And then the other thing I think about is with discovery calls. This is your first date with a buyer, right? So are you going to show up and talk about yourself for 28 minutes and then say, do you want to go on a second date with this? Or are you going to show up and ask meaningful questions, understand their story, actively listen, unpeel the onion that they are? We're going to do the latter. And discovery calls are the same. We're here to learn about them, not to tell them about us. <laughs> but tell me this, right? When you first met Ryan, you must have done some things where you're like, oh my, why did I do that? And sometimes I feel like salespeople do the same when they get freaked out by, oh my God, that person's a CFO. And then as human beings on dates, I mean, everyone gets freaked out when they're hanging around with the person they secretly got a crush on. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) For sure. You know, what's funny. I learned this faux pas afterwards, but when we went on our first date, we had some drinks. You know, I always like to let people get out of situations in case they're not comfortable. And Ryan's like, I'd love to go to dinner. We went to dinner. And while he was in the bathroom, I hailed over the waiter and I paid our bill before he knew it. 
And so I was talking, you know, I wanted to just be the cool girl. I wanted to say like, you know, equal, whatever. Plus I feel like the guys always pay for the first date and like, we're better than that these days. But one of my guy friends said, I would have never called you back. And I was like, why? And he's like, it's just so domineering to me. Whereas most of the other guys were like, that's amazing. But one person's that amazing can be some other, other person's faux pas. You never know. That's so interesting. Yeah, right? It's all about context though, isn't it? You know, it's context. And yeah. if you were aggressive the whole time, you're like, what do you want? And ordered his food. You're like, you're, <laughs> you're having a salad with the chicken with some water. Like it would be so different, you know? I was basically that. Is that not the right thing to do? Is that well, the, you're married. Is that yeah, right? It works. So who, who cares? No, it, it yeah. I heard my yeah. Friend. Who gives a shit? It worked. <laughs> so tell me this, right? You are somebody who I read your posts and I'm like, Ah, I can just feel your energy. I can feel your values. Mm -hmm. And I feel like something that's very important to you is operating in a way that's very congruent with that. And I bet you're somebody who does that even when the lights are off. I feel like even more so. I feel like even more so. So tell me this, when it comes to storytelling on LinkedIn, storytelling when it comes to social selling, very quickly, how do you define storytelling in the context of that? I think you have to come at your content with a great hook. And while that sounds calculated, I think the way that you frame, it's like telling a good joke, right? You've got to lead up to it. You've got to build in some suspense and then you've got to kill them with a punchline, right? You can't just say the punchline and then get to it. So I think you've got to think about How do you intrigue your buyer? How do you bring them in? How do you show vulnerability? How do you set up the initial few lines of your post to tell a story or to get somebody to say, I see myself in that. This happens to me all the time. Or that's what I thought was the right thing to do. And Sam's saying it's not. So what is the right thing to do? And I think that's a classic mistake we mostly make with our posts. You know, even uh, at Sam Seals, we have a whole line of business dedicated to executive branding on LinkedIn, where we ghostwrite the content for massively powerful executives. And sometimes they'll write their own post, send it to us and say, how do we make this better? And we scramble all of the words up and then re- reformat it because that delivery is so important. So I think with that, let's look back to even a post that kind of went a little bit viral for me on Friday. I talked about how the night before I almost got stuck at the airport and I almost missed my flight the next morning, You know, basically to go to another location. And when you set it up that way, you're basically getting everybody to say like, been there, what happened? Well, because travel nightmares, we've all had them. So framing the story up and then getting to the punchline and the real deal of what it is that I'm posting about, which was we did something kind for somebody else. But if I had set that up in a different way, it might not have gotten the virality because people wouldn't have identified with the story that led me to the point of the post. That's the key, starting with that and the right formatting, which can be be an art to learn. Well, for those of you listening right now who are like, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool, but I don't know. Look, let me give you some real life proof. Three weeks ago, Sam received the following message. I saw your content one day and then went down a rabbit hole of your post. We need everything that you do. That's the SVP itself. Oh. She received about, Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Two or three of those in the same day? Totally. CRO the day after, but 100%. Yeah. So it, this works, people. This works. And tell me this, because I feel like you are a very curious individual and you're very intentional. So 
who do you learn storytelling from? Because I've, I've got a feeling it's comedians, right? But tell me, like, where, where do you <laughs> learn it from? I think, you know, this was early, early age for me. My parents were phenomenal storytellers, right? We talked about them a little bit earlier that I'm the daughter of two entrepreneurs. My dad was in the hotel business. He was a general manager for all these amazing properties. And my mom ran her own business, but they were also, they're both originally from Paris. They've got very European sense of senses of humor, which are mostly inappropriate. You know, also the 98% of what came out of their mouths, which is pretty akin to, to my style, is just, you know, teasing and levity and jokes and they're not a lot of seriousness. And I think listening to the way that they kind of set things up, delivered their punchlines, their stories, right? They really pulled me in. So unfortunately they have both passed away. So I can't can't give you guys them as references to learn from, but it's there. Comedians are also great, right? I can't even tell you my favorite comedians because they're all inappropriate. Um, They're not not safe for work. Tell me, me. give me one. Give me not a joke, but give me one individual. Give me one individual. Okay. I love Tom Segura. Um, If anybody knows, oh, it's just, it just, it's wild. It's wildly inappropriate. It? If anyone's listening that's on the more conservative side, do not Google him. <laughs> <laughs> but he, your abs will hurt when you listen to him. Mm. It's fantastic. But yeah, but you think, you think about this, like it is an art learning how to do this, right? Again, that, that initial hook and that slow build, right, is key uh, to storytelling. But you're somebody as well who doesn't just talk about this. You genuinely practice this in your everyday life. For example, you even speak about when you're in Starbucks, you're trying to figure out what's the most authentic and organic way I can create a connection with somebody. And I bet a part of that is through storytelling. So it's not just sales. This is actually the way you live your life, right? Yeah. I think you're right too about the curious piece that you mentioned. And I think you put those together. So if I'm standing in line at Starbucks and I'm trying to think about how to build a relationship with somebody or how to start talking to somebody, I think it starts a couple of different ways. So one, I am wildly curious. My friend Robin will warn people before they meet me that Sam will deliver a firing range level of questions to you when you meet. Don't be alarmed. She is just curious. She wants to know about your life. That's it. But the other thing is, I think just the the, the cheerful nature. You know, I think you said that um, you can feel my energy in my posts when you read them. But I wake up like this, you know, much to the chagrin of my husband. I'm excited. I'm loud. I'm yelling. And he's like, shh, I can hear you. But I'm excited for most everything in my day, right? I'm excited for other people. I'm excited to learn about them. So I think that's the one thing, like, I mean, even when you start to build relationships and you want to open a door with someone, think of like your presence. Think of your presence when you're next to them. Think of your presence in a networking event. Think of your presence on Zoom. So if you think about like, look, look back at a recording of yourself, you know, do you sit there and you're like, hello, Ravi, it's nice to meet you. I'm excited to tell you about Sam Sales. Who wouldn't want to sign up for that if you're not asleep already just listening to that introduction? But instead, think about the energy you can bring. Think about how you can say to someone, I love your dress. I love your shoes. I love your bag. I love what you're reading whatever, versus I love your shoes. <laughs> it's going to talk to the latter, right? So think about that first and then just asking a question. This is also great, right? If we're, if we're starting to think about how do we build a relationship and then how do we tell our stories? For those of you who hate networking and think, oh, am I going to start to do this now that we're back in person? Start with a question. Ask people something. 
how'd you get here? Is this your first time at this conference? How do you know the organizers of this? Are you a member of this organization? There's so much that we can do to ask questions, actively listen, and then return the favor by telling our own stories and give them a break from having to talk. So <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm digesting that because there's like three ways I want to take that. And I'm like, oh, where to, where to take it? Where to take it? But here's where I'm going to take it. You consider yourself an extrovert and you, you've spoken about this on your profile, but I'm curious. I'm like, is Samantha an extrovert or an ambivert? Because I feel like, because I'm an ambivert, meaning I could kick it yeah. with you like this, but then I'm going to go in solitude, recharge my batteries and then boom, I'm out again. So is Sam like this 24 hours a day or is there, is there like an 18 hour day and then six hours she's in solitude? Like what? Well, obviously that's sleep time, but you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I think it takes me like uh, three months to burn out. <laughs> <laughs> really? Actually. So yeah, I think, you know, that if I am like this and I'm on with our clients all day long, I do bring a certain level of energy to our conversations and to presentations that we do. Even when we're on discovery calls, I'm like, hi, how's it going? I think at the end of the day, I'm like, but give me like 30, 45 minutes, you know, to like not have to smile, to get to push my cheeks forward, give them a break from smiling, which I do all day, every day. And then I'm ready to go again. If you pick me up out of this office and then drop me into a happy hour full of people, I'm going to be that same person that I was all day. At the end of the night, I will crash and I will say, I can't even feel my tongue anymore. I would like to not speak for the next eight hours. That's about it. But I really feed off of other people and being around other humans. We were just on a trip this weekend with my friend, Mike Seller and his wife celebrating her 40th birthday. And I said to her, like he, people call me an energizer bunny. He is an energizer bunny. He even drains me <laughs> a little of my energy. There is a downtime, but usually for me, it takes a quarter, a full quarter of go, go, going. And then I crash and then I need that, that reset. That's funny because you do have that energy, even when the cameras are not on, like people get this, right? We were in the green room, if you want to call it that. And I've met Samantha virtually on LinkedIn through back and forth, but never face to face in the first 10 seconds, she does a British accent. And I was like, that was the worst thing I think I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. But immediately I was like, yeah, I like this energy, man. I like this energy. But <laughs> The worst accent, the worst. I tried my best. <laughs> every time I do, every time I do an American one, everyone's like, you sound like one of the girls from White Chicks. You know the movie White Chicks? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Like, you just sound like one of the girls there. And I'm like, ah, oh, anyway, there we go. They're like, please, please don't do that again. Right. Yeah, exactly. Please don't do that again. I don't know about you, but when I'm buying something today, I really care about intimacy. I really want to know that the person who's sitting across from me over Zoom or in person really cares about the relationship and not the transaction. Because the truth is, is if I feel badly treated, then there's so much choice out there. I'm just going to go somewhere else. And I guarantee that your prospects and your customers feel exactly the same way. Because what you need as a revenue team is really a complete view of your customers across the entire buying experience so you can deliver them what they want from the first interaction to the point where you celebrate your 10-year anniversary together. Now, if this sounds like a little bit of you, then you're going to love our sponsor of today's show, Insightly. Now, if you'd like to book a complimentary demo with the Insightly sales team to test drive 
their CRM solution, then head on down to www.insightly.com forward slash influential to book your demo today. Let's get back to the show. Tell me this. So let's take it to social selling. So for the salesperson who's listening to this right now, entrepreneurs listening to this right now, how does Samantha McKenna define social selling in 2022? So you talked about earlier how somebody looked at my, found my post and then went down a rabbit hole of our content. To me, that is social selling. And it's not even social selling anymore. It's modern selling. And I know that we've got so many people out there who are like, my buyers aren't on LinkedIn. They don't engage on LinkedIn. That's great. But your buyers, influencers may engage on LinkedIn. They might be on there just reading and going to look because I'll tell you over half of the, what is it? Over 800 million members on LinkedIn go on at least once a week for at least five minutes a week. That is a massive stat. And I think there's just over 1% of us who post consistently on a weekly basis. So what that tells you is they're coming to learn. So social selling, one is just getting your thought leadership out there. And I suspect that let's say 80, 85% of you guys listening are like, well, that's great for you because you have a ton of followers and you have a platform and all that stuff. But guess what? I didn't always, right? We all have to start somewhere. And it's not like I went from a hundred connections to 10,000 connections overnight. In fact, I think I had 10,000 followers early last year and I'm now almost at 40,000. So you think about that, like the consistency of your content, right? Like it wasn't that long ago that I was, you know, didn't have a massive, massive network on LinkedIn. 10,000 is still a pretty big deal, but you have to start somewhere and just get your content out there. You have something to share, whether it's about the products that you sell, the thought leadership of what you do in the space, sales, leadership, marketing, CS, whatever it is, what do you have an expertise around? So I started sharing, you know, I would talk about my sales advice internally. Gosh, I think this was um, just when I, just maybe 2012, 2013. No, 2012 was the first Sam Sales post. So it's been a decade of building this, you guys. But I started to say, you know, give advice internally. People would come back and they would say, I never thought of that. I never thought about, you know, the way you do that. And then my bosses, bosses, bosses would say that. And I was like, well, my God, if they don't know how to do this, who else doesn't know how to do this? Let me just share. Let me start to put some things on there. And I even remember the first time I got, I hit 10 likes. I was like, well, I have made it. (laughs) So it takes some time, right? And it will, but that's the start. I think the other thing, if that makes you uncomfortable and thinking about how to post and who wants to hear from you, just engage, take 15 minutes a day, engage with your key buyers, the buyers that you would kill to have a meeting with, go and look for their content or go and look for the content of the influencers and the people that report to them and add a comment. Add your own perspective, your own thought leadership, teach them something, right? And that's where you'll really start. Plus one more thing, when you do that, not only are you helping them, you're helping the person that posted get more exposure. That comment is gold to them in their reach, but you get access to four different audiences with three minutes to think about one thing to comment on. You get access to the author who posted that, the other commenters, their network, and your network. It's unbelievable the reach and impact you can make with three minutes of effort and adding one comment. Do that times 10 a day, you'll be off to the races. Wow, that's a LinkedIn masterclass. Thank you for coming, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you, uh, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Two drinks. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> I mean, that was great. And I, what I really loved about what you mentioned there, 
Sam, is like if you're struggling with posting, set up a cadence where you're adding value through others through commenting. And I think that's something that's missed. You know, I've been a victim of, well, not a victim. I've been somebody who posted and ghosted at points. And you can see like what happens when you post something and you don't give back to others in the community. It doesn't go as far. But tell me this, you were recently hanging out with Val from Insightly. And she asked you a question, right? She asked you a really cool question, which I loved about ultimately how somebody could make their about me section memorable. And obviously you said the word storytelling. So I've got to pick up on it now. So let's go through a mini scenario. Okay. So the sales rep's like, you know what? Sam is right. I've set up my profile. I'm not worrying about connections. I'm adding value through content. Now I'm commenting on other people's content, but hold on. When people come back to my website, AKA my LinkedIn profile, it looks village as we say here in the UK. So my question to you is how can somebody use storytelling in their about me section yeah. and profile to stand out and become memorable? You first of all, you taught me a new word. So I'm going to use village now from now Do on. It. Hopefully people will catch on. Do it. Second, I think it always, it comes back to storytelling, right? At the, at the beginning. So think about your about section in three distinct sections. Number one, it is storytelling. Why do you do what you do? How did you get into whatever line of business you're in? Keeps you going every single day. What gets you out of bed early in the morning? What are you passionate about in working with your clients? Start with a story. We all love stories, right? Like we love, we love story time when we're little and it's no different, no matter how old we are now. So tell people how you got started or why you're here, or what you're passionate about, pull them in. What we're dying to get them to do is click that see more in our about section and read the rest of it. So I'm going to tell you how I got started with this. I'm going to tell you that I raised money for Leukemia Lymphoma Society, just like Robbie said earlier. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you my expertise. So I'm going to say how I got here and then I'm going to say, here's what I do. I focus on these key, key areas in my role. Now, this is where the core competency of what your products, your services does comes into play. So this is where you get to tell the story of if you have these challenges, we can help you, right? The, how we help modern marketers, sellers, whatever, et cetera. And then you close it out with a little bit of just who you are, the vulnerability of who you are outside of the office. But let's imagine it just started with your expertise, right? If you start with your expertise instead of the story, they're going to fall asleep again, right? They're not going to want to read more. They want to hear your story first, then read about your core competency, and then figure out who you are outside of the office. I am an open book, right? As extroverted as I am, I will tell you everything about my life. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know exactly when to rob me because I'm not home and I'm in another country, right? I give you everything you need to do that. But If you are not that, and if you're like, that's great for you, but not for me, here's what to think about. What would be okay, appropriate to have splashed across the cover of a, a, let's say the New York Times, right? Or USA Today or whatever it may be. What would be appropriate to have splashed across that cover? Would it be that you love to read, that you're a traveler, that you're a parent, that you're a scuba diver, that you've been to 75 countries? Like, Talk about some of that stuff, right? Even just a few things helps humanize who you are shows vulnerability and allows people to connect with you. And furthermore, I want anybody who is in a leadership role or who is hiring to really think about this because those sections talk about who you are, not only as a human, but also as a leader. And they make people want to work for you. If you take a look on our team, there's somebody by the name of Paige Tills, P-A-I-G-E. And she, her about section, you'll read it and be like, I need to be this girl's best friend. 
And it did not look like that before she came to Sam Sales. And it looks like that now because we've got that story out of her. What I think you've done amazingly well, Sam, is in your About Us section, you've got the very few lines before you wrap it up. You say, here's some more stuff about me. For example, I'm a Nickelodeon game contestant. Well, ex-Nickelodeon game contestant, game show contestant. I love dogs and this is what's important to me. So I love what you mentioned at the end there about not just showcasing what you do, but also who you are, because I immediately started laughing when I saw Nickelodeon game show contestant, because that was my dream when I was a kid. Because I was like, oh my God. What? Oh yeah, Keenan and Kel, I wanted to be- What did you want to be on? Oh, yeah. I wanted all, every show, I wanted to be in the audience or whatever show, like any Amanda Bynes show, a Keenan and Kel, like I <laughs> wanted it, I wanted it, man. But it didn't happen. So I was living through you vicariously, <laughs> but I love- how you've been it. able to infuse that. Tell me this. When do you draw the line as a person, as a business owner, as somebody who's got a profile on LinkedIn? When does Sam say, you know what? I'm not going to share this. Like, what's your acid test? I think, and it's kind of contrary to what I just recently posted about, but I tend to stay away from the anything that's politically driven. I did blur that line a little bit with the uh, lovely announcement in the US this past week, but I think you know, most political issues, I, I just don't don't get involved in. If it is a human rights issue, I feel like it is my responsibility, given the platform that I have to stand out because I think our silence or our lack thereof is telling, is very telling. But other than that, I, I stay away from it. I also want to think about what I'm saying help or hurt my business, right? So if I decide that I want to go on a rant about a particular candidate that I support or some, you know, political I don't know, bill that I support. Is that going to alienate me? That's the kind of stuff that to me is is too private and that I just don't find to be appropriate. But think about this. Let's go back to that storytelling element too, right? When you look at these things that people share on LinkedIn, you know, that they're a dog lover, that they're a Nickelodeon, whatever. This is also how you can use storytelling about yourself to draw these people in, right? So Ravi, let's say you would ask me to be on this podcast and I didn't respond for whatever reason. So what an awesome thing to say, you know, subject line, you lived my dream of being on a Nickelodeon show. And then you to say, I loved your, your profile section, yada, yada. I have to tell you, I'm so envious. I wanted to be on these shows. I thought about Keenan Cow. I thought about them. I thought about Double Dare. I can't believe you were on the show. You have to tell me what it was. That's storytelling. That's human connection, right? So I'm going to respond to a request like that versus just a, hi, be on my podcast. Although I did respond to your email mostly about that. <laughs> Yeah, I think, what did I reach out to you with? I reached out to you with a voice note because of the Ryan Reynolds, because of the Van Wilder, right? And I think Steve, um, who was it? It was um, Steve Schmidt. Did he introduce us? Steve Schmidt. Yeah. He had said something positive about me on his LinkedIn and you were like, I have to meet have to meet this person yeah exactly oh there we have that was a better accent i'll give you that i have to meet this person that was good it reminded me of (laughs) russell brand sounded very russell brand you've been mentioned i'd say probably about three shows that i've done because at the end i asked the guests i say look who do you believe is somebody that communicates with influence and yeah you are mentioning virtually all lists my friend so so let me meet this lady i said so here we are (laughs) but tell me this so Somebody is now bought into LinkedIn. They are bought into storytelling. They're bought into social selling. They optimize their LinkedIn profile, especially their about me section. And then crickets, they're twiddling their thumbs. They're like, what now? What do I do? So what is the next step, Sam? 
So I would tell you, if you are ready to get serious about LinkedIn, number one, use every day but Monday. Use those days as days to post. You will never find me posting on Mondays. And here's why. Everybody wakes up on Monday mornings and they're like, today is the day I'm going to post on LinkedIn. It's like a New Year's resolution every week. And so they'll go on, they'll post. And all that means, that's great. But all that means is that there's more traffic on LinkedIn and posting content and more competition for eyeballs on your content. So I don't even bother. Plus, it gives me Monday to just like, and relax. So that's the first thing that I would say. Use every day to start posting content. But here's how you can be really strategic in making sure that your content gets in front of the right eyes. So let's say you just post twice a week. So I'll tell you post on Wednesday and post on Friday or dabble with a weekend post too, which you will find gets a higher volume of executive eyes on the weekends. But Think about Wednesday. So what you want to do on Tuesday is go and comment, save a list of all of the people, whether it's in sales navigator, you save that list or whether you're old school and, you know, put it down in a notebook, spreadsheet, whatever, save a list of all those people and then go and see what have they written in the last week? Have they posted anything? Have they engaged with other people's content? And then go and engage with that on Wednesday, post your content. Guess what LinkedIn will do? it will reward you. The algorithm will reward you and surface your posts to more of the people that you engage with. Because you engage with them, it says, well, maybe they'd like your content as well. So if I'm trying to get in front of 10 prospective buyers and I want them to see me and engage with them on Tuesday, I'm going to post with them, post on Wednesday, and maybe seven, maybe six, maybe four of them will see my post, right? Like what a great one-two punch to game the system and to get started. It is very important, just as you said, Robbie, we have to make sure that we engage back with the people that comment on us, right? So we can't post and ghost, like you said, but we also have to engage with other people's content and pay it forward first. The other thing I will just tell you, and we can pull apart any of this, but consistency is key. So number one, your audience wants to know you actually trust content that's relevant. They're just going to read and read and read and read for a while before they engage. And then the next thing they're saying is, are you going to be here for the long haul? Are we going to get invested in your story and build a relationship with you? And then you're going to fall off the the face of the planet. So that consistency is where most people fall off and then say, LinkedIn didn't work for me. It's because you didn't stick around long enough for your audience to build the trust that you would. You see the engagement that I get on my posts and it's because I've been doing this for so long, but it's also because I give back and I engage with my audience instead of thinking that I'm too good for them and not engaging, which I see plenty of influencers do. I mean, so much to unpack there. I feel like what you mentioned there is fantastic about once some people get to a certain level, they stop doing the things that got them there in the first place. I think more than ever, if you look at the way that we live today, how cool is it when people can see into the world of Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds through Instagram and YouTube, right? Like I'm, I'm hooked. That's what I'm doing on a Sunday. So people have access to you. It builds familiarity and trust even more. So tell me this, my friend. Now somebody's like, you know what? I'm interacting with my 10 prospective buyers. Then they put out a post and their prospective buyers Mm -hmm. like it. But then they're like, ah, Sam, how do I go from somebody liking my post to actually having an authentic conversation without feeling icky? How do you do that? Totally. So our one move that I would say is to mine your likes and your comments and to make sure that you start a conversation as a result of that. So if let's say somebody goes and likes your content or engage comments on it, go back, especially in the early days, go back and look through who did go and send a connection request to all of those people and just say, hi, thanks so much for engaging with my post yesterday. Would love to stay in touch here. What you've got to think about is that is how you start to build your network and how you start to build these authentic conversations. If 
uh, let's say Ravi, it's the very first time you see me posting on LinkedIn. You like my post. I do that. What I've got to think about, I connect with you. Thing to think about is that because you liked it once, odds are probably pretty good that you're going to like it again, or you're going to start to see my content. Eventually you're going to comment. I'm basically making sure that we are now first degree connected, that I don't have to wait for someone in your network to like my post for then you to see it, right? The traditional way it works. Instead, I'm just, I'm basically significantly upping my odds that you're going to see that. Now you might come back and say, my pleasure. Thanks for saying hello. And I need to leave it at that. So if you are interested in a meeting with me, you'll ask me. If I send you that connection request, you say thanks, and then I push you for a meeting, I'm just going to come across like every other salesperson. So to me, the win is that I effectively have a new subscriber to my content, right? That's how I look at it. Now you are more likely to see my posts. Hopefully, you will continue to resonate with them. And at some point, you're going to ask me for a meeting. I don't even have to ask you for it. You can say, I think you can help us, or I love your content. I think I know somebody that could really use what you do. And that really is complex as it gets. This is the modern day prospecting. This is how we start to get our content and our thoughts and information about our products and our services lightly out there to teach people how to do things. And I'll tell you that, like, that's where the content comes from. I'm giving everything that's in my brain away for free. And someone could just read everything I do, get a masterclass in Sam sales and never pay us a dime. That's totally fine. However, most people just say, can you just come show our teams how to do this? And that's where our revenue comes from. So give it away, teach people, teach people authentically, get them, you know, eventually to come in your site. Like the whole art of dark social is where it's at these days. We just need to start the conversation ourselves. Oh, okay. Three words, people win the relationship, win the relationship. And tell me this, for those that aren't aware of the term dark social, how do you define that? That is all the conversations that are happening when you're not in the room. Yeah. So think about, you know, every time somebody sees one of my posts and we have no idea who they are that's seeing it, what they're thinking about it, everyone that takes a screenshot of my post and then shares it in a Slack channel or sends it in an email or drops it in a group on LinkedIn, we don't know any of that is happening. And what's amazing is modern marketing is really broken because we're still attached to all the things that worked for us best. And it's attribution, attribution, attribution. Let that go. Think about how many people show up to your site and it's called organic search. They see something that's posted about your company and they go and they search for your company name and then find you. How do they even know you existed? It's by you being on LinkedIn. So you think about that. You've got to empower your people or you as an entrepreneur to get started and having that conversation so you can drive that organic traffic. That's it. We're meeting our buyers where they're at. And again, think about this. Even if you have a small network, you're going to get 400 people to see your post, 500, 600 people. We also, we've got such a big network. Anytime I post 20,000, 30,000 people on average see my content. The, even the post from yesterday has 60,000 views. 60,000 people at some point glanced at my name in 24 hours. It's free. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I love Because imagine trying to go to a networking event and get your message out to 60,000 people. It'll cost six figures. Insane. Six figures. Exactly right. Yeah. And you can do this all day, every day, totally for free. And times 10 or 20 or 50 people in your company. I mean, it's really that easy. So cool, my friend. I love it. I'm with you. I get excited about this as well. How cool is dark social though? Like, for example, I've mentioned your name twice today because I've been talking to people like, what are you doing later? Sam McGinnis on my podcast. Oh, I've heard of her. What does she do again? And I'm talking about the research that I've done. I'm like, I'm pitching her. Anyway, it's funny that you end up talking about people and what they do. But tell me this now, my friend, 
So you're mining the likes, you're mining the comments, you're mining the interactions. But now let's say that you've added somebody in your network who's actually a potential buyer, but they're a lurker. They're not commenting. They don't do that. They're a lurker. But you want to reach out to them. How can somebody use effective communication and storytelling to reach out to this person without asking them to marry them on a first date, going back to the dating reference? (laughs) So I think a couple of things. One, this is where the process of sales becomes instrumental. So we can't just do this haphazardly and, and hope for the best. If you have a territory and a book of business, right, we want to be super driven and process driven about this, thinking about, okay, I've got 50 people that is on my target list. So with those 50 people, as we engage with them, as we connect with them on LinkedIn, as we do that, we also want to think about how we nurture and add value to their lives. So this is where kind of that this process starts. It's not just by connecting and then eight days later being like, can we have a meeting? So make that connection. Let's say it's one of those 50 people. And let's say you're targeting like me, VPs of sales or CROs. So find something, an evergreen piece of content that would be helpful to somebody that's a VP of sales, a leader, a CRO, something that educates them on the changing market, a possible recession, whatever it is. And then you pop in and just say, hey, I just came across this this piece this morning. Somebody forwarded it to me. I think it'd be so applicable to you as a CRO. Here's my opinion on it. Here's one or two sentences of what I love about it thought you would appreciate it as well. So I'm doing a couple of things in that nurture, right? I'm connecting and saying, don't forget I exist. And I would really love a meeting with you at some point. I'm also saying, I thought of you, even though I'm copying and pasting this to 17 other CROs in my list of 50, then I'm saying, here's how my brain works. And here's what I thought of it to hopefully get you to say, I think that way too, you're smart. And then I'm just saying, here's the link. There's no call to action. There's no request for a meeting. There's jack shit there, right? And so you send that and the person either never responds or they say, thank you so much or whatever. And then maybe you do that one more time. And then you say, you popped in my mind today. I think there's so much that we could do to lend value to your organization. I wonder if you'd ever be up for a chat of how we can help you with these two or three things. I suspect that as a CRO of this size company, you're probably going through some of these same challenges or some really specific ways we can be of help. Let me know. You've paid it forward first. Now imagine for a second, Instead of sending those 50 people the same crappy canned emails, drip, 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 drip campaign, and taking however long it took us to do that. Let's say, imagine we do that instead. It's a connection request, two pieces of helpful, supportive content, and then a direct ask for a meeting. What do you think your win rate will be like? So much better. And not only will it be better, but you'll look, you'll have better character, right? You'll have a better reputation in that buyer's eyes. And I think the storytelling comes into play with whatever it is that you share with them. So for me, I'll give you a good example. There's an organization, a CRO I connected with two weeks ago. And he said like, hey, we're having some challenges with sales. You know, we talked to these people, you know, they're great. We don't know what we're going to do. And I was like, well, I'd love to hear about your challenges, et cetera. He didn't respond. And so I can just push back and say like, what are your challenges? I would love to meet. Or I can say, I was thinking about what you said, your challenges. These are one of the core challenges we see. Here's something I wrote up about it. It was helpful to you. Great. I'd still love to to hear directly about them. But I'm thinking instead of just me, 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 I'm thinking, how can I add value first? Ah, that's so good. That's so good. Especially how to revive that conversation when it's arguably gone dead and elicit a response. I love that, Sam. I love it, my friend. Ladies and gents, that is Sam McKenna. Now, before I let you go, okay, I've got Mm -hmm. two more questions for you. The penultimate question is, 
now somebody's got good at LinkedIn. You also mentioned that you're on Instagram as well. Now there's TikTok, there's Instagram, there's uh, there's so many. I have no idea. But when does somebody realize that, you know what? I can start using other platforms now as well. Because I see some people do it too early. Then I see some people do it too late. Like what's what's the level? Should you start cross-pollinating, as they say? You need to go where your audience is. So to me, Instagram is more B2C, right? I don't find a lot of value in Instagram for B2B in, in the level of virus we're going for. But an interesting thing to think about with TikTok, we got on TikTok, I think early, like four months ago, something like that. We have 1,100 or so followers. Very excited about, <laughs> about that. Josh Braun is actually the one that forced me to go on uh, TikTok. He's like, you need to do this. Here's what I think. Go where your audience is. You never know when your buyers are going to be using different platforms, right? We could have C-level decision makers that are using TikTok because their kids are, are asked them to, or we could have influential top performing 28-year-old account executives who are looking at your content and then loudly saying, this is the person that we need to come in to train our teams. I think go where your audiences or where the audience that'll influence your key buyers are. Don't be everything to everyone. We would never be on Facebook. We're not on Instagram. It's just my personal account, but we're on YouTube. We're on TikTok. We know YouTube works well for SEO and we are definitely on LinkedIn. Oh, I bet you are. Right, everyone knows you are. If you're listening to this right now, thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it. My last question for you, my friend, is, is I can tell that you're somebody who reads, absorbs, takes on what does resonate and runs with it. So when it comes to storytelling and effective communication, as you know, this show is called The Influential Communicator. So who do you look up to as somebody that communicates with influence? I love Adam Grant. I'm a huge Adam Grant nerd, if you know him. He succinctly communicates his thoughts in just such a, an effective manner. You know, he really gets across something that I think would take me a thousand words to explain in like 13 so I think he's great. Plus, he's on my list to marry one day along with the Ryans. So much again to my husband's chagrin. And he's not even cute. He looks like a baby Uncle Fester from the Adams family, but but I want him for his mind. Well, you know that so, you know what I'm cutting for the promo of this episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I want to marry Adam Grant. He reminds me of a baby uncle Fester. See the rest of the episode by kicking the link in the comments below, people. That's what's gonna go down. That's click. That's a perfect, perfect clickbait. Maybe we'll get him to finally notice me. I've been here all this time. <laughs> maybe I can get him on the podcast and maybe you can marry him. Let's make it double win. But anyways, my friend, <laughs> tell me where can people who are listening to the show learn more about what you're up to over at Sam Sales? Come say hello on LinkedIn uh, and definitely sign up for our content, samsalesconsulting.com. We have a great newsletter of over a 50% open rate every week. And you'll hear all about our content, things that are coming out and our monthly webinars, which get an insane amount of registrants and attendees. So come hang out with us over there. 50%. Hey, that stuff's hard. 50% is hard, <laughs> man. 50% is hard. So anyway, ladies and gents, I hope you enjoyed the episode with Sam McKenna. Same time, same place, different guests next week. I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here. Okay. Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review. If you got some value from today's episode. Okay. So if you want to impact people, remember you need to learn how to influence them first. 